Good to see you all. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Alan. I'm one of the pastors um, at Village. I'm usually over in Village East. That's probably why you don't know me if you don't, um, because I'm not around here very much. But um, it's always good uh, to be able to come over to South to visit you guys. Um, I was over on the 17th of July. That was the last time I was here. Um, and a week later, actually, my wife on that Sunday afterwards had uh, a baby. So a lot of you have been asking at that time, is the baby going to come? When's the baby going to come? Well, it came a week later. Uh, we had another wee girl um, called Maddie. So three girls in my house. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's going to be, the teenage years are going to be interesting. They are. Um, and if this morning I've, I've got bags under my eyes and if I lose where I am maybe from time to time, you'll probably know why then um, because the tiredness might be hitting me. Um, but it's really good to be back over here um, and just to have the encouragement of being with you guys in South. Um, so thank you for your prayers for us as a family even and for the encouragement that you are to us. Um, as Jess said, we're um, continuing our series for the summer in the book of Psalms. Um, we've got a couple of weeks left in this, um, and we're going to have uh, a look this morning at Psalm 3. And I want to ask the question as we're get, we get going, wouldn't it be great to have a peace in life that wasn't circumstance dependent? Wouldn't that be great? Just think about all the places that we tend to look for peace in life, contentedness, money and material things. Having that sense of calm when you open the app on your phone and you see your bank account again and you think, you know, I'm in a good place. I have money in the bank. Things are well. Maybe it's the peace that you get from living in that house that you've always dreamed of living in. Maybe it's the sense of peace that comes from being in relationship with someone. Having that group of friends who are always there for you, always there to lift your spirits uh, whenever you need them to. Or the spouse who is your comfort and your strength when life is tough. Or the kids who you just love and cherish more than anything else. Or maybe what gives you that sense of, of peace and, and settledness in life it is power and status. The prestige that comes from having a certain job or, or from having got a certain degree. The influence and the power that you maybe have uh, over people or over situations, that's what gives you security, peace in life. Now, I'm not suggesting in any way that those things are bad things. They're not. But what I want to suggest this morning is that all of those things are, are pretty fragile and pretty uh, just flimsy places for us to pin all our hopes for true and lasting peace in life. Because what happens when our circumstances in life change? What happens when money is tight and the cost of living just keeps on rising? What do we do when we can't afford that dream house anymore and maybe we have to downsize instead? What happens when the friend that we're so close with betrays us? Or, or the spouse who we love so dearly suddenly hurts us? Or the child that we have just never wants to spend time with us or see us anymore? What happens if we get laid off from our job? Or we get those test results that we were never expecting? Or someone we love who is so dear to us, they get sick and die? What then? Does our peace in life just evaporate into the ether when times of trouble arrive on our doorstep? 
let me ask you that question again. Wouldn't it be great to have a peace in life that wasn't circumstance dependent? In fact, how great would it be if we could have a peace in life that was strong enough and durable enough to go through even the most difficult of circumstances that we could face? A peace that was deep down in our soul, that rested upon us, that stuck around even in the darkest of days. Isn't that something we'd all love? Well, as we look at God's word this morning, we're going to discover something of that peace today. Because in Psalm 3, David sings of the peace he's experiencing in life. Despite going through some of the most challenging circumstances in his life. It's a peace that's real to him. It's a peace that rests on him. A peace that means that he can lie down in his bed at night and sleep well. A peace that that means that he can say, I am not afraid of the future. And it's my hope this morning that we see how the peace that he has can be ours too. Through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the same God of peace who protected and sustained and delivered David in his time of real trouble is the same God of peace who promises to do the same for us if we trust in him. So I'm going to pray for us now because we need God's help uh, and then we're going to get going in Psalm 3. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this year day We thank you for time to come now to receive from you, for you to to reveal yourself to us once again, your goodness, your glory, your power, your might. Lord, you are so far above us, completely transcendent, but yet you're so tender and near to those who are in need, which is all of us in this room, Lord. We are all in need in some way or another this morning. We may not even realize it, Lord, but I pray that in our need, you would reveal yourself to us as the God who is our present help in times of trouble. I pray, Lord, that we will see that you're the one who delivers us and you do that that most ultimately through your son, Jesus Christ. May we see Jesus, may we love him more dearly this morning and may we praise you for your goodness and your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we get going, it's important for us uh, to understand the backstory to this psalm. Because David is is going through probably one of the toughest times in in his life as he writes this. And that's what I think makes his peace so extraordinary. Look with me at at the bit that comes before verse 1. That's called the superscription. And we get these in most of the Psalms. And oftentimes, like I do, we just gloss over them. We don't really pay much attention to them. But they are at times very helpful in giving us the historical context of the Psalm and what's going on. And do you see what it says at the start of Psalm 3? A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Now, because of time this morning, I'm only going to be able to give you the headlines of the story, but I would encourage you, if you get a chance this week, to go back and read this story for yourself. Psalm uh, Psalm 3 is is written out of what happened in, in 2 Samuel 15, and it tells of how David's son, Absalom, he rises up against him. Now, David at this time is the king of Israel. He's on the throne 
He's ruling over God's people. But his son, quite unexpectedly, quite suddenly, he instigates this coup against his father. And he wants to, to dethrone him and he wants to kill him even. This is almost unthinkable as a parent, isn't it? The child you love betraying you, turning everyone in the nation against you. David, he, he must be heartbroken. And as you read all that, that happens in 2 Samuel 15, you'll see that this whole experience it nearly breaks David. He has to flee his kingdom in, in shame and embarrassment. He's fearing for his life. The circumstances of David's life have been turned upside down in just a moment. This is the backdrop to this psalm. That's how challenging things are for King David right now. And look at verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 3. This is what he says as he kicks off. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him and God. Can you see the crescendo of many? Many, many, many are my problems, Lord. Many, many, many are the reasons for me to be fearful, Lord. Do you see the way he's being tormented by his foes? The people are saying to him, where's your God now, David? Where is he? He's abandoned you. You think he's going to save you? He's nowhere. The worst thing that David's enemies could have said to him. Because in his fear and anxiety, David is being tempted to doubt God's goodness. To doubt that God is really for him. Really with him. And I wonder if you've ever been tempted to doubt God's goodness or God's presence with you. A lie that, that the devil often tries to sell to us, especially whenever we go through difficult times in life. Maybe as you've sat beside the, the hospital bed of a sick child, you're being tempted to think in those moments, God, have you abandoned us? Left us on our own? Maybe it's when you sit at home wrestling with your thoughts, having some of the lowest days mentally that you could ever have. You're being tempted in those times to believe that God isn't there anymore. That he isn't for you. That he doesn't love you and care about you. Peace in those times. It just seems like an impossibility, doesn't it? See how David responds to these accusations. What does he do when he's tempted to believe that God has abandoned him? Look at verse 3. He remembers. He remembers in the midst of his fears and his troubles. He brings to mind what he knows to be true about God. He doesn't listen to the voices from outside. He listens to God and his word. But you, O oh Lord. These must be some of the most precious words in all the Bible. But you, O oh Lord. Yes, my troubles are many, but you, O oh Lord. Yes, my, my son Absalom, my own flesh and blood, he wants to kill me, but you, O oh Lord. Yes, my good name is being dragged through the mud, but you, O oh Lord. 
and the rest of this psalm, in verses 3 to 8, they're going to tell us what David knew to be true about his God, which gives him this sense of peace and this hope that even in spite of his challenging circumstances, God is still with him, God is still for him, and God will deliver him. And looking out at all of you this morning, I'm sure there will be many, many difficulties that you're experiencing in life right now. There will be many things across a room like this where people are are, are facing real struggles and challenges. For some of you, it it might be that it's a long, drawn-out kind of a pain, something that you're having to endure over many years, many months maybe, For some of you, it might be that you're right in the epicenter of a crisis in life right now. For some of us in this room, maybe life is fine at the moment. Things are good, actually. It doesn't feel like you're in crisis mode. It doesn't feel like you're in real struggles and trials. But we often say this at Village, that that we learn things in the light so that we can practice them in the dark. And this is maybe something that you can bank away for the future. Things that maybe you learn here in the good times that actually in the bad times become something that are so needed for you. Whatever you're going through, can I encourage you this morning to know just like David does here in Psalm 3 that there is a God who sees you in all of your troubles. There's a God who is with you in all of your troubles, a God who cares for you, who offers his peace to you. Because he tells us elsewhere in the Psalms that he is our refuge and our strength, a very present help. When? In times of trouble. It's tempting to look for peace and for help in times of trouble in other places in life, in alcohol, in consumerism, in the comforts of a relationship. It's tempting even in times of trouble to to turn away from God completely. But can I encourage you this morning, potentially when you are going through something that's really difficult that no one else knows about, look to God. Like David here, call out to him. Remember what he is like. Remember the promises he has made to you. What does David actually know about God that gives him such peace in his times of trouble? And what can we know about him too? Well, look firstly with me. David remembers that that God promises to be his protector. He promises to be his protector. Look at verses 3 and 4. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. David is comforted in his troubles because he knows that God is his protector. See, a normal shield would protect from the front, wouldn't it? But do you see what David says about God? You, O Lord, are a shield about me. Literally, that means all around me. In front of me and behind On each side and above me, you protect me all around, Lord. It's like the the Iron Man suit for those of you who are Avengers fans. It's all-encompassing protection. Nothing can get through. David says that 
God, you're my glory. See, David has this, this worldwide reputation. He's known all across Israel. He, he's an incredible leader. But he acknowledges here that any glory he has is not conjured up from himself. He, he's not made it for himself. God has given it to him. God is the source of his glory. Which is what he says in another psalm, in Psalm 62, verse 7. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. The Lord is also the one who lifts up his head because he is a restoring God. And it's easy, isn't it, in life to see who the losing team are in a football match. The Manchester United players, they're the ones at the moment with their heads down, dejected, despondent, defeated, always, always losing. It's going to get worse on Monday probably as well. And I'm a Man United fan saying this. Defeated people, they have their heads bowed low. And it says in Psalm, or in, sorry, in 2 Samuel 15 verse 30 that as David flees from Absalom, he goes up the Mount of Olives and he's weeping. And as he goes, his head is covered, bowed low. David, though now, has come to this point where he can hold his head high. Not because he's full of pride in himself. Not because he's bashful about his own achievements. He's not puffed his chest out and said, you know, let's just keep going, David. Things will look up. Things will get better. No. His courage has been restored because he has looked to God. The one who lifts his head. God is the one who gives him his glory. God is his protector. And in verse 40, you see what he does? He cries out to his protector because he knows that God will answer him in his time of need. What is it that gives David this confidence that God will answer him? Well, he probably looked back to the history of his people and he thought there have been times in our history in the nation of Israel that God has been faithful in delivering us. When his people cried out, God intervened. Think back to the time when they were in bondage in Egypt. Pharaoh, he is them in slavery. And the people, they cry out to God for help. And God, he delivers them. He protects them. David, he probably looked back to, to times in his own individual life when God had helped him in his time of need, answered him when he cried out to him. And so David, he looks back and he remembers God, God's faithfulness in his own life. And he's able to rest in the present and have hope for the future with peace in his heart because he knows that God will answer him. Maybe that's something that, that you need to do this week. Even today, in the present troubles that you find yourself in, maybe you need to call out to God, your protector. Maybe you need to, to look in his word again and be reminded of, of the way he promises to protect you. One of his children, his beloved children. My wife Jane, she always has kept a journal. And so every, every, every so often in life, we'll just push the pause button in life. Particularly when things maybe are, are just overwhelming us. Things are getting hard. And we'll just take a bit of time to, to remember God's faithfulness to us. We'll trace back the signs of his goodness and his grace, even when we've gone through some of the darkest days in our lives. That word, selah, you see it there? It appears three times in uh, Psalm 3. That word, it just means to pause, 
take some time to reflect. That's what the psalmist is encouraging us to do here at this point in the psalms. This is what we are going to do. We're going to pause for a moment. We're going to reflect. If you're a Christian this morning, God is your protector. He is a shield all about you. He is the lifter of your head, your glory. He's the one who answers your prayers. We're going to pause for a moment and take heart as we consider God as our protector. Pause. Reality is, if if we have a big view of God, our troubles will become smaller. But if we have a small view of God, our troubles will become much, much bigger. And many have experienced this in their own life, especially some of the great hymn writers of the past over the years. And one of my favorite hymns says this, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. This morning, if you know the peace of God, having him as your protector, there is a world out there, a world that is going through so much trouble, so much pain, a world that is crying out for help but doesn't know where to look. We have the answer We know where help can be found. And so the question for us this morning, if we're Christians, is will we go to them? And will we tell them? Will we be this kind of non-anxious presence in our workplace, in our friendship groups, in our families, in our homes, amongst those people who maybe don't know anything about the peace of God and always seem to be just anxious and uptight about the things going on in this world, what would it, be like, what would it look like for us to be different, to be a non-anxious presence because we're trusting in God who is our protector? Imagine what that would do for that person, the curiosity that would spark in them, the questions that would maybe come. We've seen that we can have peace even in times of trouble when we know that God is our protector. And look with me at verses five and six. Because here, David shows us the peace that's found in knowing God as our sustainer. God the sustainer. See, in this desperate situation that David is in where his enemies seem to be multiplying all around him, David's dependence on God and his knowledge of who God is allow him to do two things. Two amazing things. Firstly, he sleeps peacefully. I think this is incredible. He sleeps peacefully. Because it can be really hard to get good sleep when we are going through times of trouble. 
when we are going through times of real anxiety. I'm sure we've all experienced that. When we lay our head in the pillow at night, but our mind just keeps racing with thoughts from the day or thoughts about what's ahead of us. David has every right to be terrified. Every right for for him to just sit in the corner of wherever he's hiding and just to stay awake all night, fearing for his life, fearing for these men to, to storm in at any time to take him away. But amazingly, look what he says. I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. Do you see how he slept? Not through white noise, or being swaddled like the way we're trying to get someone to sleep in our house at the moment. That's not how David did it. He didn't sleep through taking some sleeping pills or having the room at the optimum temperature of 18 degrees. No. He's able to lay his head on the pillow and sleep because he is literally resting in the knowledge that God will sustain him. That God will keep him. He'll keep him through the night And he'll wake him up in the morning for a new day. And I think there's there's something about sleep. I've been thinking a lot about this in the last couple of weeks as I've prepared this psalm. The comfort that there is in knowing that God sustains us even when we are so unaware of it. Think about it. When when we sleep at night, it's almost like we, we consciously step out of the world, isn't it? We talk about whenever people are asleep, they're dead to the world. And that's kind of what sleep is like. We do die to the world. We lay ourselves down. We're not able to do anything. Yet God sustains us. God protects us as we sleep, as we are at probably the most vulnerable time. And I think there's a picture of of the gospel in all this as well. Because as we sleep, it's almost like We're laying ourselves down, placing ourselves in God's protecting hands. And isn't that what we do in the gospel in Jesus Christ? We lay ourselves down and God, he sustains us in Jesus Christ. He gives us life in him. David, he's able to rest easy, to sleep peacefully because he is resting in God's sustaining power. David knows that Absalom isn't in charge. God is. And so he rests. And secondly, look what he does. He says that he is not afraid. He's depending on on God and and, and this knowledge of God being with him and sustaining him. It means that he can say, I am not afraid. Look at verse 6. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around I don't know if you've ever been hunted down by a a murderous mob. I haven't, but I'm guessing that if I I had and and you were too, you'd probably be terrified, completely at your wit's end. You wouldn't know what to do. David is surrounded on every side by thousands upon thousands of enemies who seek to take his life. They think, some scholars, that that there are probably about 20,000 men on Absalom's side here against David. But yet here David says, I will not be afraid. And that phrase, I will not fear or or, or do not be afraid, is seen right throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Over 200 times God commands his people, do not be afraid. And do you know what the most common phrase 
to accompany that exhortation is, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Isaiah 41 verse 10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Psalm 56 verse 11, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Psalm 23 verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And in the New Testament, in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, the Apostle Paul, he encourages us as followers of Jesus Christ to not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What does Paul say the result of that will be? Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think this is what David is experiencing here in Psalm 3. That peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that makes no sense in earthly terms. Because even in the darkest of days, he knows that God is with him and his presence sustains him. See, as Christians, our peace in life, it isn't found in the absence of hardship. Our peace in life is found in the presence of God, almighty God. If you're a Christian this morning, if you're trusting in Jesus, then your life is in him, hidden in him. And you too can experience the peace of God which transcends understanding. The peace which he promises will guard your heart and your mind. Yes, your troubles may be many. They might feel insurmountable even at the moment. They might even seem all-encompassing. But you can rest in the loving arms of God, your protector and your sustainer. You don't need to be afraid of the future because God is on your side. And if God is for us, who can be against us? David knows God as his protector and his sustainer. That's what gives him a peace despite his circumstances. But look, thirdly and finally, that David has a peace because he knows God as his saviour as his deliverer. You notice how David finishes the song by countering the very remark that was leveled against him at the beginning. Remember verse two? These people, they're all saying against David, your God isn't here anymore, David. He's abandoned you. He's not gonna save you. But do you see what David says? Verse seven and eight, he cries out to the Lord to deliver him. Arise, O Lord, save me. And that bit about striking the cheek and breaking the teeth of the wicked, it seems pretty uh, aggressive to us, doesn't it? A bit extreme. But actually what he's saying really is, God, silence my foes. Silence the enemy. Shut the mouths of those who speak evil against me and of those who speak evil against your king. And look what he comforts. I know that you will deliver me. I know that you will arise and save me, Lord, because 
Salvation belongs to you. Salvation belongs to you and to you alone. There is no question in David's mind about this. There's no kind of wondering if God can save him. No. He knows that that deliverance belongs to the Lord. Salvation has God's name on it. He He isn't trying to find the answers in himself. He isn't trying to save himself or looking to anyone else. He knows that it's only God who can save him. Only God offers salvation because salvation belongs to him. And see that last line? Don't miss it. Your blessing be on your people. Because actually, though this this song is about the deliverance of David, God's anointed king, David knows that what happens to him as the king has effects on all of God's people. Because if David, if King David is delivered, then the people will also be delivered too. If David is over his enemies, then God's people will experience the blessing of victory over their enemies too. And as we tie all this together, you see how it points to Jesus Christ, this psalm. How this is a psalm that that Jesus sang for us and how it's a psalm that we now, through faith in him, can sing ourselves in our times of trouble. Because as we look through the lens of the gospel, we see that, that King David, he is pointing forward to a greater king. King Jesus, God's anointed king. God becomes our saviour, our sustainer, our protector through his king, Jesus Christ. God delivers us from our enemies, sin and death through his king, Jesus Christ. As he hung on the cross and as he paid the penalty for sin, that we deserve to pay. He delivers us from sin and from death. Because God delivered Jesus from our day, we know that through faith in Jesus, he will deliver us from death too. His deliverance becomes our deliverance. His victory becomes our victory. That's the blessing that we experience as God's people. God is our savior, our sustainer, our protector in Jesus Christ. And so we, like David, we can experience true and lasting peace in life that isn't dependent on our... ...lasting peace in life in spite of our circumstances no matter how challenging they may be. Horatio Spafford, the great hymn writer, he knew this to be true. In fact, it's what led him to be able to write the famous hymn that we're going to sing at the end here, It Is Well With My Soul. Spafford, he he faced suffering of the most tremendous kind in his life. On November 22nd, 1870, U.S. back to the U.K., a a ship that was carrying Spafford's wife and his four children, his four daughters, it was struck by a sailing vessel, and it killed 226 people, including all four of his children. His wife, Anna, she survived, and she arrived in England, and she sent him a telegram back into the U.S., 
which simply read these words, saved alone. And it was as Horatio Spafford sailed from the US back to the UK to meet his grieving wife that he wrote the hymn, It is well with my soul. He was holding fast to the promises of God when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. He goes on to say this, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this bless control. In other words, these are the things that he reminds himself of the things that he, he wants to know are true about God, that Christ, Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Horatio Spafford experienced the peace of God that surpasses understanding. Because God was his protector, his sustainer, his savior. And this morning, we come to the communion table. We come to this table remembering who God is for us. Through Jesus Christ, through his body that was broken on the cross for us, through his blood that was shed for us, he is our protector, our sustainer, our deliverer. We may not be delivered from the present troubles that we find ourselves in, in an earthly way. It might be that we have to continue to endure those things for all of our Here's what we can be assured of. With Jesus, the worst thing, the worst thing that we could ever experience in life, which is death, the worst thing is not the last thing. God promises through Jesus Christ save us because salvation belongs to the Lord. And as we consider that this morning, as we come to the table, I pray that God's peace rests on us knowing that. D.L. Moody, he's a great American evangelist. People are trying to make peace for themselves in life. But that has already been done for us. God has not left it for us to do. All we have to do is enter into his peace, offered to each of us through faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's someone who knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. As you come to the table, enter into God's peace once again. This morning, and you... You've listened, and maybe peace is what you long for in life, but, but you've been searching and you don't know where to find it. Any peace that you have, it, it seems to only last for a moment. When circumstances change, it just seems to go again. Well, here's what God offers to you. He offers himself to you. Because he, he is our peace. Instead of coming to the table this morning, I just ask that you would receive Jesus. Ends all understanding. A peace that, that guards your heart and your minds from now through all the troubles that we might experience in life until the day that we stand before our Savior Jesus in glory.
Let me pray for us now before we come to the table. Father, thank you that you are our peace. That it's in knowing you as our we can have a peace in life that, that rests on us, that is real to us, even despite the challenges that we might face, which, Lord, we know we will. This life is not easy. This life is full of ups and downs. But what we can rest on, what, the one thing that remains constant is that you are with us always and that your peace rests upon us always. Lord, for those who are maybe going through difficulties in life right now, maybe are so intense, so overwhelming right now, Lord, I pray that, that you will draw near to them today, that you will just envelop them in your love and in your care. Wrap your protective arms around them, Lord. Shield them from the troubles and from the challenges that they face. Lord, for those of us as well, who maybe right now life is okay, it's actually not filled with troubles, may you prepare us for those days when those troubles come. May you help us to see that though our circumstances might change, that, that you're the God who remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And through Jesus Christ, we can know you. We can have your peace rest upon us. Lord, thank you for all that you have done for us. Thank you for what this meal signifies. Jesus, you gave yourself for us so that we might be able to enter into God's peace. Peace with him, peace with each other.